So I'd ask if you would to take your Bibles, if you have one, turn to the book of 2 Timothy. After a preacher spends a lot of time preparing for a message, he doesn't want to have to cut it off short. So let's, uh, let's take a look at this. <clears throat> 2 Timothy chapter 3 this evening. We've been in a series of perilous times. And of course, it doesn't take a person too much knowledge to understand that we are living in perilous times. Around the world, there are perilous times. Christians are being persecuted and many martyred today around the world, and the, the, uh, the animosity toward Christians in our own country is growing seemingly by the day. This know also, 2 Timothy 3, 1, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. How appropriate that we would be bringing a message this evening on unthankfulness after spending all this time giving God thanks. I'm convinced that God was glorified this evening. I'm convinced that he was, he was pleased. And just as if he's taking these as incense and enjoying the aroma of your praises, I believe we this evening are going to be challenged in this particular area. Today, he said, what is going to characterize the world in the last days is unthankfulness. Let's ask God to meet with us. Dear Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you for the sweet time of praising. And I do trust that you were glorified in it. I thank you for doing a work in our folks' hearts and lives, leading them to a place where they are, have a desire to praise you. And I pray that you'll meet with us this evening, for we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Unthankful. Well, it means thankless, ungrateful. It's from a word meaning to be unkind, actually. To be unkind. Now, this specific word, the original word, translated unthankful here, is only used twice in the New Testament. Here and in Luke 6.35. It's interesting the list in which unthankfulness is mentioned in it's, it's a, a perilous times list. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, unthankful. The fact that unthankful is listed next after disobedient to parents may suggest that ingratitude begins in the home. There's some examples of unthankfulness. Romans chapter 1 Beginning in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 21, Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful. Not thankful. He said the world, apart from Christ, is a degenerate world, and they're not thankful. They became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Philip, 
king of Macedonia is said to have caused a soldier of his that had offered unkindness to one that had kindly entertained him to be branded in the forehead with these two words, hospice and gratis, meaning ungrateful guest. I believe that God is interested in us learning to be grateful. There are some examples of this in the Old Testament. In Leviticus 23, beginning at verse 33, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, and then drop down to verse 39, Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. A seven-day party. On the first day shall be a Sabbath. On the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take you on the first day of the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. Ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. And ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Notice, ye shall dwell in booths. B-O-O-T-H-S. Booths. Seven days. All that are Israelites, born, shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths. When I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. So here we have titled the Feast of Tabernacles, sometimes called the Feast of Booths. That God commanded His children every year to go and to build these little lean-tos, these little huts, and to live in these huts for a week. You're saying, well, yeah, but we've got these nice homes. We've, we've, got, we've got a nice pool out back. We've got a refrigerator and air conditioner. You want us to go out there and live outside in this hut for seven days? I do. I do. Because I don't want you to forget where you came from. I want you to be grateful for what you have. You know, the honest, simple truth is, when the power goes out at home in the summertime, and it's hot outside, and that heat does not remain outside, it begins to seep inside, and you start getting really hot. All of a sudden, you become really thankful for the air conditioning. <laughs> we walked in this afternoon before choir practice and opened the door. Whoa, that's so comfortable. Praise God for air conditioning. The Feast of Tabernacles was an eight-day feast during which special offerings were given at the tabernacle. I said that each family was to construct a booth, a rough hut, out of branches and palms to live in for the duration of the, of the week. It was to be a time remembering their pilgrimage from Egypt. And it was a time to stir the gratitude of God's people for His many blessings. These booths were to be reminders. One commentator writes, <clears throat> The festival was to remind the Israelites of the pilgrimage in the wilderness. Their setting in Canaan was not to blot out the memory of their previous pilgrimage and how they dwelt with God in tents. The same danger threatens God's children still. This world gets so settled and homelike that we forget the pilgrimage which life is meant of God to be. We need the exhortation of Peter, Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts, 
which war against the soul. We talked about that this morning. You and I, we are pilgrims and strangers. We're traveling through this land, and it's so easy to get comfortable in our nice homes, our nice cars, our nice jobs, and to forget that we're just passing through during this time. So these booths were a way that God in the Old Testament encourages folks to remember to be thankful. Also, he commanded what he called thank offerings. In Deuteronomy 26, verse 1, It shall be when thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee for an inheritance, and possesseth it, and dwellest therein, that thou shalt take of the first of all the fruit of the earth, which thou shalt bring of thy land that the Lord thy God giveth thee, and shalt put it in a basket, and shalt go unto the place which the Lord thy God shall choose to place his name there, bringing in the first fruits. In Deuteronomy 26, verse 10, And now, behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which thou, O Lord, hast given me, and thou shalt set it before the Lord thy God, and worship before the Lord thy God, and shalt rejoice in every good thing which the Lord thy God hath given unto thee. Rejoice! All the good things that God has given. He said we're supposed to rejoice in this. Giving offerings should come from thankful hearts as we rejoice in all that God has given us. A few moments ago, men came to the front. They're holding these round plates. And they just looked down the row just to see if somebody had offerings to place. You know, offering is an interesting thing in the church service. We kind of look at the offerings sometimes a little apologetically. Like we don't want to offend folks. But that's not how God looks at the offering. God looks at the offering time as a very important part of the worship service. Because as we give our offerings to Him, it is a worship to Him. Thank you, God. Thirdly, in the Old Testament, songs of thanksgiving. 1 Chronicles 16, 7. Then on that day, David delivered this first psalm to thank the Lord into the hand of Asaph and his brethren. He writes, Give thanks unto the Lord, verse 8. Call upon His name. Make known His deeds among the people. Sing unto Him. Sing psalms unto Him. Talk ye of all of His wondrous works. Glory ye in His holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His face continually. Remember His marvelous works that He hath done, His wonders and the judgments of His mouth. David wrote a psalm specifically to express the thanksgiving he had in his heart. He admonished them to give thanks, to call upon his name, to make known his deeds, to sing unto him, to talk of his works, to glory in his name, to rejoice and seek the Lord, to remember his works, wonders, and judgments. Thanksgiving. Remembrances in the Old Testament to thank God. Thanksgiving is not limited, however, to the Old Testament. Jesus demonstrated thanksgiving in the New Testament. In Matthew eleven twenty-five. 25, at that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. As Jesus pronounced judgment upon certain cities, he paused first of all to thank his God before breaking the bread and multiplying it to feed over 4,000. Matthew 15, 36, And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks and break them and gave them to the disciples 
and the disciples to the multitude. During the Last Supper with His disciples, Jesus gave thanks. Here Jesus knows that His time is short. He will be going to the cross shortly, and He took time to give thanks. Matthew 26, 27, He took the cup and gave thanks, and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of that. Standing at the tomb of Lazarus, before raising him back to life, Jesus gave thanks in John eleven forty one, And they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. Or thankfulness is an outworking, interestingly, of love. As I thank others, I'm demonstrating love to them. Colossians 3.14, and above all these things, put on charity, love, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Be ye thankful. Put on charity, love, and be thankful. See how they're tied together? Put on love. Let love flow through you, and as it does, it will come out with thanksgiving. What about what... What about when gratitude doesn't work? <laughs> Apparently it doesn't. I read a testimony of an individual for whom gratitude did not work. They write, gratitude lists didn't help me one bit. A gratitude list, I've been told, it's really important once in a while to take time and just think about all the things we have to thank God for. Write them down. All the things, all the blessings we have, and write it down. That's such a good exercise. <clears throat> but this person says, gratitude lists did not help me one bit. Writing them was a practice that drove me deeper into shame and self-loathing when I was already in a very dark place. Gratitude lists imply that those of us who are in pain are choosing misery and just aren't working hard enough, and that if we just think happy thoughts, we'll float up above our problems like the kids in Peter Pan. My ingratitude lists help me grieve the things that I'd lost, missed out on, been cheated out of, and all the times life had kicked me straight in the heart. I learned that stuffing down anger and sadness with a stack of gratitude lists doesn't make them go away. Writing down the things that made me miserable and furious didn't make them go away either, but it helped me focus on the things in life that I wanted to change because they caused me suffering over and over again. My ingratitude lists gave me direction, focus, and helped me move away from the shame and toward acceptance and action. Oh, my heart still hurts, but I don't scream at myself for being selfish, for being sad anymore. I thought about that. <clears throat> Sat back and thought about this poor individual for whom gratitude lists did not work. And I asked myself, why didn't it work for her? Or him? Why didn't it work? Ah. Because she didn't know the person to thank. 
You see, gratitude must be anchored in Christ. Without an anchor of gratitude in Christ, mere methods are unreliable. My gratitude is based on the fact that I believe that God can work all things together for good. Romans 8, 28. I'm supposed to thank God for all things. Thank God for that? Yeah. Thank God for that? How could you thank God for that? That was a horrible hurt in your life. How could you? Because God says thank God for all things. Gratitude, you see, is a refocus away from me. Gratitude changes my focus from, oh, poor me. You see, God is good. Just look at all of his blessings in the past. God is good. You say, oh, wait a minute, you don't know what's happening to, my, to me. And I say, yes, God is good. But what about God is good? We have a good God. Unthankfulness is ultimately an accusation that God didn't treat you right. I deserve better. You didn't treat me right. You made a mistake, God. Therefore, God is not good. How dare we sing, God is so good. God is so good. How dare we sing such a fallacy? Unless we truly believe it. As you walked in here this evening, God was good. Regardless of the burdens you carry, God's good. Somebody calls you up and gives you some of the worst news imaginable, God is good. You get in a horrible, God forbid, a horrible car accident tonight, God is good. You lose your job, God is good. God is good. God is good. And we must thank Him for His goodness. We've got a responsibility, lastly, because we serve a good God, we have a responsibility. In Luke chapter 6 and verse 32, this is the other place this particular word is translated. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. And if ye do good to them which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners and receive as much again. But love ye your enemies and do good and lend, hoping for nothing again. And your reward shall be great, and ye shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. What is God's response to the unthankful? To the one who does not demonstrate love and give thanksgiving, is all wrapped up in themselves and can't see beyond themselves because of all their hurts. What is God's response to that individual? Notice what it says. He's kind to them. Jesus demonstrated kindness even to the unthankful. So we are commanded to be thankful. Unthankfulness is unkind. It's a wicked sin. 
we, like Jesus, are to seek after the unthankful lost in the world around us. I know it is so much easier to give a tract to someone who's kind, to someone who has a, a thanksgiving spirit, to someone who smiles at you. It's so much easier to give them a tract. <laughs> so Walmart, we had trouble checking out. I'm sure none of you ever have trouble checking out. And that, that checkout system is, is rigged that every time we go, it messes up. Just us. Nobody else has troubles. It's just us. Something about us. And so this light goes on up there. So embarrassing. Light goes on. And uh, nobody was coming, so I walked over to three guys that were employees. At least they had badges. And, and I said, we're having troubles. Could you, could you help us? And this real tall guy came over, a young fella, and he walked us through it all. And I had, I had a track in my back pocket. I pull, pulled it out and opened my, opened my container. I pulled him a thank you track. And I said, I just, after he helped us out, he said, I just want to. He, said, he, he had been very kind. They were very kind to us and, very, and smiling. And, and, and I gave the track. And you could see when I gave him the track, his demeanor fell. Immediately, his demeanor fell. Like, are you serious? Are you serious? Now, before I had a chance to hear his response, I left. <laughs> Ours is to be kind to the unthankful as well. Not to fight unthankfulness with unthankfulness. That's the way they're going to be. If they're not going to be thankful to me, I'm not going to say thanks to them. If they're not going to smile at me, I'm not going to smile at them. Aren't we supposed to be light? in the world? Aren't we supposed to be different in the world? Aren't we supposed to be what the Bible says is peculiar? We're supposed to shine. And one of the things that I believe, one of the ways that you and I are to shine is by that thanksgiving that just flows from us freely. So tonight, I remind you that one of the characteristics of a wicked, perilous time that we're reading about in the news and seeing on a daily basis what's going on in the world. One of the characteristics is unthankfulness. Let's make sure that's not named among us. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for this sweet time tonight. Thank you for the time we've had of sharing praises. And my heart is rejoicing. And I thank you, Lord, for this reminder that we, your people, are supposed to be thankful. So, Lord, I pray that you might help us to have an impact in the world simply by our willingness to be thankful. Thank you for this reminder. We needed it. Give us a good week, I pray. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.